Welcome to the People Show. It is Satyar Shah with Vic Nazar on this dreary Thursday. But as always, we're ready to talk some sports, have a lot of fun. And the People Show is always brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. And as always, you can get your thoughts into our text inbox, 650-650, courtesy of Dunbar Lumber. And we look forward to interacting with you as the show goes on. A lot to get to today. We have our good friend Ian McIntyre joining us uh, next hour. We'll talk about the article, the Q&A he had with Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. And then we'll chat with J.J. Adams a bit later in the show, courtesy of the Vancouver province. And we'll talk about the Vancouver Whitecaps that are red hot shooting up the Western Conference standings in MLS. And we'll also ask him about the BC Lions that are kind of taking a bit of a swoon, having lost three of the last four games, although still 7-4 on this season. We'll get to that and more coming up a bit later on the show. And if you have any suggestions or comments, let us know. And we may or may not get to them. Because we have a lot to get we to. We try to get to them all. We, we try to get to as many as yeah. we possibly can. Uh, so we did overrated, underrated yesterday. Yeah. And this is where we may need some more submissions from you because Bick and I decided to do a overrated, underrated special edition NFL version. So we have a few topics thrown in, and we're going to do that coming up a bit later in the show. So Teams, if you, players, coaches, narratives, whatever you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, so if you have anything you think is overrated or underrated when it comes to the National Football League, we got you. Let us know. Send it in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650 in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or our beauties of Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Those are the three locations ready to serve you. Now, before we get to the NFL stuff and everything else we're going to, we're going to tackle, uh, we want to have a hockey conversation to start Let's things go. Off. Why not? We had quite a bit of hockey talk yesterday, and it was a lot of fun, especially with the Q&A uh, Rick Talk had had with iMac. And if you missed it, make sure to go check out the podcast available on any of your favorite podcatchers. But it's been kind of kind of quiet in the NHL, obviously. I mean, we're at the end of August, the final day before September kicks in tomorrow. But now we're starting to see some PTOs get signed. And we're starting to hear from some veteran players who are deciding to continue playing. And one player who was fresh off winning a Stanley Cup, again... Although he didn't really have much to do with it in the postseason. Three-time Stanley Cup Three-time Stanley Cup champion. And a man who is very familiar with the management group here in Vancouver, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine. Phil Kessel, Phil the Thrill Bick, has said he wants to keep playing hockey. And if you thought that bringing Phil Kessel in is going to be onerous because he's got the Ironman streak and, you know, God forbid you sit him for a game, Phil is making it very clear you don't need to play me every day. Like the Ironman streak, forget about it. I just want to play hockey next season. I want to be on an NHL team, and not, and I'm not worried about continuing my streak. Dude who put up uh, 36 points last season, which uh, I don't know if you know, Sat, would be good for eighth with the Vancouver Canucks last year. And that would be, let's see, so it's eight on the Vancouver Canucks. It would be 13 more points than Dakota Joshua, who had a breakout season, yeah. of course. Uh, it would be more points than Ilya Mikheyev, although Mikheyev got injured and yep. only played 46 I'm just saying, games. This dude's always available is what I'm saying. I mean, he only had 10 fewer points than Connor Garland. And he's always available. Like, he Iron is. Man streak or not. Again, you don't have to play him every day. No. But he's available every day. Okay. Okay. So, he's around all of the time. So, I mean... When I saw this, I'm like, great. So Phil Kessel is going to jump onto a contender somewhere probably and, and maybe be the 13 forward and, and just kind of be your long for the ride. Mm-hmm. Are, are you looking at him and saying, hey, maybe just Why not? Maybe. Why not? Now, traditionally, I would say, okay, cool. Like, good luck to Phil Kessel. 
it doesn't always make sense, you know, West Coast thing, and, yeah. and do you actually want to come here? And given the standing the Canucks have been in, but because it's Rick Tockett, because it's Jim Rutherford, because it's Patrick Alvine, is there a shoe in to say, like, hey, we, we haven't a weird in that you wouldn't otherwise happen. It's like being at a networking event and years down the line, someone you made friends with at, at this conference in Arizona, suddenly they're like the director of Western Canada. You're like, hey, hey, we got this chance I never would have had for a promotion at another company. This this may have just fallen to your laps and saying, hey, we need some secondary scoring. And let's not kid ourselves. As much as we've talked about a PD and, and Miller, a concern is – are they going to have more goals than they did last year? Well, I know, I know. There's, it's been pointed out when you look at this Canucks roster and say outside of you know Miller, Pedersen, and Kuzmenko, who were the three consistent scorers mm-hmm. last season, who else is going to score consistently? Now, I, I'd imagine at this point of his career, even though he had his struggles, Besser is going to be a more consistent scorer than Phil Kessel is going to be, so he wouldn't usurp him, of course. Mikheyev, probably the same thing with him, and after that. But we're talking about someone who you could scratch if you want. Oh, yeah, like, We're not no. talking somewhat high up. But when P.U. Suter was signed, it was very much, wow, a guy who can score 14 goals down in the lineup. Fantastic. You can add another one of those guys okay. as well. So let's work through what type of money would make sense. It had to be league minimum, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm assuming league minimum right. with, with bonuses. Yeah, 750K, 800K, yeah. maybe a million or whatever it is. Right? But something hey, you hit real- 15 goals. You hit... 35 points. You have to have the number low anyways because mm-hmm. the Canucks have zero cap space. And the only way I would be willing to do it anyways and bring him on, I mean, I'd love to do a PTO, actually, because it's like, hey, come in and, and show me what you got. And, and maybe if you play well enough and we'll give you a league minimum contract. But if it, that doesn't happen and it's going to have to be like, hey, I want a assured contract, I don't want to get over a league minimum. So, okay, so now that we've established what, what the money is, it would have to be minimal money for it to make sense. The reason why I'm somewhat intrigued by the idea is we had this discussion yesterday. Rick Tockett told Ian McIntyre that he would love to have four lines he can play and essentially means it as like four lines you can trust. And we went through the exercise and said, well, for you to be able to have four lines you can trust, that means you have to have Suter and Bluger be your third and fourth line center. And you would have to have either Garland with one of them and Bavillier with the other one. Because then you have a legitimate top nine forward with a third line type of centerman, fourth line type of centerman. And that's, you know, a duo that, hey, they're not going to go out and beat the top lines of any other team. But if they have to take a couple face-offs in their own zone or if they find themselves out against other teams' top lines, a coach can live with it for a mm-hmm. few ships a game. Because that's what we talk about here. If you run four lines, it's not about, hey, we have four lines, you want to shelter to third and fourth. No, if, if, you, if you're a four-line hockey team, you're rolling four lines. They can, can be a threat as well. Yeah, and you're not afraid of throwing them out there for a shift or two if you have to against other teams' top lines, right? But I don't think you can do that if your fourth line pick is Niels Ullmann, Dakota Joshua, and like Sheldon Dries, right? Or Phil DiGiuseppe. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that fourth line is going to be able to keep it, you know, keep its head above water against some good competition. So we said, okay, let's say Garland with Bluger. Let's say Bavillier with Suter. But for that to happen, you would need both Hoaglander and Putkolzin to claim spots in the middle six. Hoaglander or Putkolzin plays on the Miller line. Hoaglander or Putkolzin plays on that Bluger-Garland line. If you do that, then you can have Bavillier on the fourth line or de facto fourth line or whatever it is. But that's also taking a leap and hoping, mm-hmm. praying, begging those young guys to, to claim those spots. Does this present a safety net option? That, hey, what if Bavillier wins that role? And if you want one more scoring punch, look, I'm very aware that he'd have to be a 13th forward and he'd play some nights. The, the bigger issue is it takes up a roster spot. 
and now you're really starting to crowd the opportunity for your Hoaglanders or Percolsons. But it does depend what role you want them to be in, that if they don't win a second-line role, Percolson or Hoaglander, is a fourth-line spot even good for them? Mm-hmm. Or is it, hey, go work on your game in the A. We got someone here that's going to provide scoring. And who's not a professional liability. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? And 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 I agree in general. Like if you're banking on Phil Kessel next season to play in your middle six or top six, that it's it's gonna be a hard road. But I don't see I don't see a fail safe here mm-hmm. right now currently with the organization if Hogniner and Putkozen are not ready. Because if they're not ready, Bick, it doesn't mean your team's gonna be gonna fail next season, but you're probably not gonna be able to be a fourth line four line team. You're gonna have to shelter your fourth line. Mm-hmm. And and that's all fine and good, but I think it takes away some of the overall potential your team has. And at least if you have a guy like a Phil Kessel, to your point, 14 goals last year, if he plays on the third line, even play 13 minutes a game, you'll know he'll, you know, you know he'll score 12, 13 goals. He is... He can play your second power play unit. He's offense. He's all offense. And and Brendan G's texting again. As a Canucks fan, don't want Kessel near the Canucks. He's a liability more than a value on the ice. I think there's a reason. He is the Iron Man. He doesn't play strong if any defense. And look, that's fair. That's a fair point. D- defensively, yeah, you're not bringing Phil Kessel in because... Hey, you, you want to shore up your PK or something like that, obviously. But I do think, look, to, to be able to sustain yourself to play this many games in a row, and he is a bit of a physical specimen. I know a, a lot gets made Don't up. Don't make but, fun of him, but he's actually but in good shape. To, to be able to play this long and, and do that, it, you do have to be in quite incredible, or at least to be the the rawness of the physical ability is there for yes. Phil Kessel. And, and there's a reason why, hey, at age 36, 35, uh, this guy's been playing for 12 games, and he's you know got over 400 goals, coming up on a thousand points. He's got raw natural ability, and even still, it's not even just as if he's hanging around, uh, just just plotting in power play markers right now. Like the, the, these are reasonably earned um, 36 points last year. Oh, absolutely right. And so the one other caveat we we talked yesterday. It's like hey, there is a hole right now on power play one what? that has to be accounted for okay okay i can't credibly be excited about hey phil kessel is going to be a solution to your first unit power play but to again it's another hat in the ring of like hey here's someone that's a credible nhl scorer right because the discussion we had yesterday too about the first power play unit was and and this is also in the vein of brick mentioning to ian about having gonchar be a part of it Mm -hmm. but having the sedines and he's going to be part of it and we kind of joked about they're going to run the power play by committee and it's like well it matters how you run the power play because you are right now, in theory, missing that trigger man in the bumper spot. Bavilia did it for a bit, but even he didn't last there the entire time. He got moved off the first power play unit. And you can do Brock Besser, sure. But if you do Brock Besser as a right-handed shot, it changes the entire complexion of who sets up the shot. So all of a sudden, the one-time option to the bumper spot from JT doesn't exist. And then you're kind of taking away the one-timer from Pedersen a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, it can still work really well. Maybe JT shoots the puck a bit more. But it's a different philosophy of how you do things if Besser is the guy that takes it. But if you want a lefty shot, you want a guy who's able to score consistently, Phil Kessel's also not that guy. But can it, he at least be somebody that, hey, if Besser doesn't get it, mm-hmm. is not doing it, do you at least feel comfortable throwing him out there? Because outside of those two guys, like, who are options? Garland's not going to be it. He doesn't mm-hmm. shoot the puck well enough. Podkolzin can shoot the puck really well, but has he take Again, can Podkolzin take that big of a step? Hoaglander's got a muffin. He's a talented player, but he's got a muffin. Mm-hmm. You can't put him in the bumper spot to be the trigger man. So, like, 
unless Bavillier and or Besser would take it, there's really no other credible options on this team. 650-650. Kessel's a better fit for Chicago. Uh, that one's coming in from Rager. Uh, hey, hey can't deny. Can't deny. I'm just saying, for, for the opportunity that does exist, and you know Elliot Friedman putting it out today over at sportsnet.ca and uh, on his uh, Twitter as well, uh, Phil Kessel looking to land a spot. Is this something you didn't want to entertain? Yeah, I'm sure there's better fits. That we, look, we're trying to shoehorn a, a guy that can put up credibly 30 points and you know, just has natural offense into his game into a role like if you go across the NHL yeah there's going to be some spots where you can say hey this guy's going to go put up 20 goals in in this bad team that might be exciting but he'll get more minutes sure but it's it, can it work for Vancouver and, and should it be something that they uh, try to pick up a phone on yeah I mean I, I don't mind it like I said if you can get him on a league minimum contract or a PTO I'm for it to me, I'm not against, you know, this kind of came up because we saw the Kessel thing, but yeah. also we've been, you know, talking the two of us back and forth about some of the PTOs that mm-hmm. have been signed. Brandon Sutter, we all wish him the best. He signed a PTO with the Edmonton Oilers. We'll see if he can earn his way back to the National Hockey League. They've also added Gagne, the Oilers, on a PTO. Today we heard the news that Zach Cassian is going mm-hmm. to Anaheim on a PTO. Out of all those players, none of them really excite me hey could i had could i have been open to a brandon sutter pto mm-hmm. sure why not but yeah you know, it's not exactly the biggest need this team has Austin watson took one in tampa right. bay joel uh uh Kivaranta yeah took one in colorado there's been some ones that's just like yeah okay i don't think any of those kind of fit what vancouver needs because mm-hmm. i mean i don't think i don't think this team has to be looking for those third or fourth liners i think what they're missing right now is like we've been talking about if bevillier or if Put Coles in a Hoaglander can't do it. They have a pretty they have a pretty sizable mm-hmm. void right now on the third and second line wing. Now I know Dan Riccio right now screaming at the radio saying Field Giuseppe he can do it, man. And yeah, he showed he showed he can do it in yeah. in a little bit of a spurt. And maybe just maybe he claims that spot again. But if you want to be a four line team, if you really want to compete next season, do you have enough options if those things don't happen for you? So if you don't do Phil Kessel, for instance, who on the market? Would you be interested in, in adding on a PTO? I'll, I'll give you some names here, right? Yeah. Josh Bailey. Uh, I like Josh Bailey, but... Uh, it's not really offense. Th- th- that's not really... Right. Yeah. Thomas Tatar is still available. 20 goals, 28 assists, 48 points. Now, I would very much doubt he's going to get signed for less than a million. Yeah. But does he get to a point where he's got squeezed and he's like, you know what? I'll go and sign one year somewhere. Mm-hmm put up some points and maybe maybe I can get back into being somewhere. I don't know what his situation is like, but I, I'm intrigued by Tatar. Like, where does he go and if it's a million or whatever? And then, yes, you pull your RV. That, yeah, that's kind of interesting. But I feel like that's just a, another put Coles in. That's the thing. And and the reason I, I, I'm, I'm we're bringing this up and why I'm kind of interesting about uh, or interested in a Kessel, at least there's a pedigree there. It hasn't been sh- it hasn't been showcased by a Pulyarvi. I know the underlying metrics look nice, but generally speaking, I just been a f- little underwhelmed. Um, this one texting in uh, six fifty six fifty. You know to Kessel, but Coles and Hoagland are going to make this discussion seem ridiculous. They were big parts. They will be big parts of the teams this year. I hope so. I we all hope so. But, like, Fisk, Phil Kessel coming in shouldn't preclude that from happening. Well, the, the, that's the entire point. And this is the point we made yesterday. Like, the opportunity is there for Pitkolzin and Hoaglander. Bavillier was in the final year of his contract, a guy who scored 20 goals once in his career, a guy who crested 40 points once in his career. And he's a good player. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have to be. Like, 
he's not a guy that's a huge roadblock. And then you go to PDG, you go Dries. Like these are the guys that Hoaglander and Patrolsen have to beat out. Mm-hmm. But what happens if they're not ready for it? And that's not to say you're going to overspend on having the option. Like I completely agree. I don't want to have somebody get signed for two million or something to be the guy that's a failsafe or whatever. But hope can't be your plan. Mm-hmm. And how often? How many times? How many times? Have we been sitting here talking about young players claiming the spot? Maybe this guy's ready next season. And outside of Pedersen and Hughes and Besser and Horvat over the years, which young guys actually claimed a spot? And how many years do we feel like, this is the year, man. This guy's going to do it. Let's not bring anybody else in because we can't, we can't roadblock this guy. You have to have some options potentially, right? And if you can get a guy on a PTO on a cheap contract, I'm all for bringing them in. And... Phil Kessel, if he gets in the way of Hoaglander, that's Hoaglander's problem. Mm-hmm. If Phil Kessel gets in the way of Pod Colson, that's Pod Colson's problem. If you can't beat an age 36 guy when you're starting to get into your prime years, that's not Phil Kessel's problem. That's not even the organization's problem. It's an, a problem that the, the organization has to solve that, hey, how come a Hoaglander or Pod Colson can't beat these guys out? But just like we said yesterday, and like we've been saying all summer, yeah, it's big summers for these guys, but you can't just hand them the spot. If they can't beat someone out, that's on them. 100%. End of story. Right. And, I mean, I see this text here. Uh, it says, sorry, guys, you are nuts. The Canucks are trying to change the culture in the dressing room, and bringing in the hot dog eater will not help uh, with that. No chance Phil Kessel comes to the Canucks, nor would I ever want a guy like that coming into the young dressing room. So Vegas w- really had a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, he really got on the way yeah. there. And in, in Pittsburgh, I mean, they only won two Stanley Cups with him. He was only their best player in the playoffs with, once. With Rick Tockett, by the way. Right. Now— has no idea how to coach him. Right. But here, here's the thing. Like, the hot dog thing, is it because of Steve Simmons called them out once and everybody, you know, apparently, hates him for it? Apparently. The guy has an Ironman streak. Everyone who's played with him talk about talks about him being a serious teammate. A guy who shows up, plays, works hard, plays hard, is ready. Like, he, he's not a bad dude. I don't know where this reputation is. And just because some people, like, character assassinated him when he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, there's this reputation around Phil Kessel being this, like, dog, pretty much. And he's not. Uh, a lot of texts coming in about Tanner Pearson. Um, that one just feels hopeful. Or We could, maybe. It, it's You mentioned a minute ago, you know, hope isn't really a plan as far as young players making development steps. I, I, I'm not preparing for Tanner Pearson to be there game one. No, I'm not. I mean, you I, wish I, him the best, and, and man, it'd, sure. be, it'd, be, uh, it'd be awesome that someone could recover and get ready. Uh, I'm not preparing as if that's a realistic option. No, I mean, I'm not looking, I'm not banking on it either. Uh, and we'll see ultimately what happens. I wish him all the best, but you can't, again, hope is a plan with him, right? You can't just hope oh, he's going to be healthy, hope these young guys are ready. And and hopefully they are, right? Uh, this person says, I know it's August and you have nothing else to talk about, but aggressively arguing to have Kessel on the team is ridiculous. Literally a story about him today. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Like, I, I love how the whole conversation becomes, you're aggressively arguing. At what point is anybody aggressive when talking about signing a guy to a PTO. League, league minimum contract, PTO? That's what it is. It's Don't look at this as, we're going to sign Phil Kessel to a two- or three-year contract at two or three million per season. First line guaranteed. This is the Kuzmenko tour all over again. It's literally the conversation about, could this team use another option potentially? And how confident are you that this team has the future second-line winger figured out? and the future third-line winger figured out on the left or the right side. Yeah, you can talk about Garland and Bavillier. Bavillier has a year left. Garland, obviously, has three years left. 
This is what it comes down to. Does this team need to add any more depth or guys fighting for spots in training camp? Uh, this tweet, uh, you guys went from Canucks need to be harder to play against, show up in the best shape possible, work ethic, board battles, back checking, to I think Phil Kessel could look good in a Canucks uniform. What's wrong with uh, Phil Kessel's? Like, why do people think he's in bad shape? They also need goal scoring. They also need more secondary scoring in the bottom six. Not every bottom six guy is going to be built like Tom Wilson. This is just an, a solution to a potential problem that may emerge. Again, PTOs. PTOs. This person texted in, didn't Kessel win the fastest skater one year too? Can't win on hot dogs. <laughs> Find me any Phil Kessel teammates in the last two or three years I've actually legitimately took a rip at him. Yeah. He's beloved. No, I know. He may not be the best skater or the best goal scorer as he was at his peak, but he finds a way to fit in a room. Yeah, no, he does. And I Would think- he? Okay. He, he Let's assume tomorrow he's a Vancouver Canuck, PTO, okay? Where does his shot rank amongst the Canucks? Like just, just his... Just like, hey, if, if we're judging people's okay. shots. Forwards, so, top for- 10. <laughs> but, oh, I, was gonna, I, mean, I was gonna say like top four. Okay, uh, so uh, let's say if Pearson's healthy, yeah. I, I would still take Pearson probably right now. Just a shot? Well, Pearson's shots, but he'll get 16, 17, 18 goals right now if he plays. If he's if he's healthy. Goals? Right? I'm just mean like, hey, as far as like a, assessing someone's skill set. Right. Like, yeah, around the net, Pearson's better. No, but like Miller, PD, Besser. McKayev probably from distance. He has probably more snap on his shot. Man, right I, 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 might I don't, take, I don't I know. Guess. I might put Phil, Phil number four. <laughs> I might even put Phil Kessel ahead of Besser. I mean, yeah, I don't know. The thing is, like, Phil can still shoot like, the puck like we know, we, we know he's ahead of Hoaglander. Yes. We know he's ahead of Garland. Yes. We know he's ahead of PDG, ahead of Joshua, ahead of Bluger. But the one thing to keep in mind, too, is, like, last season he played for the Golden Knights. He played all year, had mm-hmm. 14 goals or whatever it is. But the year before, he only had 8 and 82. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, been a, it's been since 2020-21 he had 20 goals. So, like, he but doesn't I, have the same – the shot isn't what it used to be like. Right? I'm not you talking have to, about have overall to goal output. A little bit. I think those other guys would have higher goal output. I just mean like looking, they're standing in the middle of the ice in the slot. Okay, remember the, the the goal like Besser had against Carey Price, where it was just Besser versus Price. Right. That's it. If you just had to recreate that, how many guys are you trusting to beat that, score that shot? Yeah. You had to recreate that image in your head. How many Canucks are you thinking like, oh yeah, that guy's gonna score the goal right now? It's P- Miller, Pedersen, Kuzmenko. That's all I feel really great. It's about. fair, and you know what? It's a fair point. Like I'm a bit, maybe I'm not quite. I'm a bit lower on it than you are, mm-hmm. but still, I still agree. Like, I'm not against this Canucks organization adding a veteran winger on a PTO that can shoot the puck a little bit and could be an option if these young guys can't claim a spot. And honestly, like, I- I've seen enough young guys not claim spots in Vancouver mm-hmm. that I'm very skeptical about both Hoaglander and Pitkolzin hitting it this season. I think best case, one does. One does, yeah. You know? I mean, I've been operating under the assumption it's, it's going to be Pitkolzin. I know those... Ad- the 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 Hogue train is uh, picking up steam all off season, yeah. but Nate from Comox, Mikheyev and Pearson have Hoaglander level Hoaglander level shots. I mean, they got better shots than Hoaglander. Come on, Mikheyev's like a twenty goal scorer. Mikheyev's probably got a better shot than people give him credit. Yeah, for. Yeah, Mikheyev has like, has more power on his shot. Like he's not like he's not gonna pick his spots or whatever, but yeah. he can shoot like he can shoot the puck. And Pearson, listen, we can argue Pearson all day and his hand and whether he's ready to go or not, but you know he, he can shoot the puck better than Hoaglander. Man, the the inbox right now. It's fire. Just, I love it. I love it. You know what we need? Like one more divisive player in this market. I love it. Phil Kessel might be it. I mean, there, you know what? Love him or hate him, he draws your interest. 
whoever texted in saying uh, hot dog eater is the biggest idiot and makes our fans look like clueless idiots. Okay. The real problem is be like, would, would Dakota Joshua give up 81? Oh, That's the right, real problem. Right. Well, you can't give Dakota Joshua. Dakota Joshua has claimed that number. It's his. Okay, you know what? You brought up Dakota Joshua. Is he a guy that can play on the third line? Like, can he? Like, let, let's say put Colson is good enough to play with Miller and Pedersen, uh, mm-hmm. Miller and uh, Besser. Like is, a Joshua Bluger Garland? Is is he? I mean, what I saw from, from Joshua last year was a big step forward. But I don't trust him in anything more than a fourth line role unless he takes takes a step. But can he take that step mm-hmm. and be a third line player? Mm-hmm. I like him on the fourth line. A good fourth line. Yeah, yeah. he's a good fourth liner. I don't know if he's a, if he can be a credible yeah. good third liner. You know what I mean? I, I think in the right role, like it could be a, a responsibly difficult to play against and a threatening fourth line. That'd be a nice spot. Yeah, I think so. I but mean, you I, need another body to win then. Right. Which you're kind of still missing. That's why I, I, I like the idea of perhaps going um, like on the fourth line. Again, this all pre, you know depends on young guys claiming spots. But if you go Bavillier, Suter, and say Joshua, that's an interesting fourth line to me. Plus, if you want to uh, in- improve the PK, go get a PK. Phil Kessel. Yeah. <laughs> get, go get do it. Real, get the, get the real PK. It. Get the real PK. <laughs> is Tyler Mott still available? Fourth line of penalty kill. Uh, he is. I, I like Tyler Mott too, but... The reason that I'm not as into signing guys like that is he doesn't solve what you're trying to solve. He doesn't give you cover to play on a second and third line. This is the idea again. Again, like if you're looking at this Canucks team, being a fourth-line hockey team and being able to have some options in the top six, what are you looking to add? Let us know. Let your, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit more of those on the other side. And uh, we'll get into some NFL news. Like we mentioned a bit later, we're going to do overrated, underrated NFL edition. So if you have any NFL topics that you think are overrated or underrated, anything to do with the NFL, let us know and we'll hit that as well. We'll continue the conversation right here on The People Show. It is the People Show. Satyar Shaw with Vic Nazar coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Seems like we stirred up the hornet's nest a little bit uh, with uh, Phil Kessel talk. Who thought uh, talking about somebody signing a PTO, for goodness sakes, would, would have people this fired up? But it tells you people are ready for hockey season. And we'll get to that coming up in just a second. That's what we do, baby. Uh, but we wanted to... Uh, hey, directly... can I read this one? Yes, 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 yes. Remember that Besser goal he scored on Price? Who could do that on the team? And I named Miller, Patterson, Kuzmenko, someone texting in. Dude doesn't include the guy who scored that goal and is still on the team. Do you feel confident about that? Uh, that's like I left the guy off for a reason. Yeah, we like, that was seen, that was before the injury. We haven't seen that shot really for a couple of years, right? Consistently, it, it it shows up some time to time. Yeah, I mean consistently, reliably. Yeah. right now that moment gets recreated. Think Carey Price makes that save? Yeah, we hasn't shot the puck as well as he did in his first season since his first season. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been it's been a little bit rough. There's, There's been, been a lot rough. of injuries there. Hopefully, is this the year? Is this I, the year? I know what I said is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> I said what I said. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages coming up in a second, but we wanted to direct your attention to uh, a press release by the Vancouver Canucks. They are hosting an online auction in support of the BC wildfires, and all the funds raised will directly support the Canadian Red Cross, BC Fires Appeal, and you can bid off some incredible items, including the chance to see Bruce Springsteen, Madonna, Morgan uh 
Wallen, 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 Morgan Wallen. There we go. And, and the top tennis players in the world. So you can check that out uh, by going to um, Labor Cup coming to town. Soon. Labor Cup. Yeah. Coming to, there's also going to be so vanbase.ca. Mm-hmm. Uh, go and check that out uh, and, through till September 3rd. Yeah. So you do have about three four, until Monday, I believe that is. So you have until Monday, Sunday. Uh, Sunday. You have until Sunday to help out. Uh, with some fundraising for obviously what's going on across the province. It's Mm -hmm. been an absolutely devastating wildfire season. And our thoughts are obviously with all the people affected. And one thing that I always feel good about is people coming together and doing what they Mm. can to try to help their neighbors, neighbors and, and fellow citizens in British Columbia. So whatever you can do, if you're able to, uh, whether it's through the Canucks with a bid or anything else to help out, uh, please do. And, the Canucks are trying to do their part with this latest release that they have out. So wanted to direct your attention to that. Vanbase.ca. Yeah, go and check that out. And all the proceeds are going to the wildfire efforts. All right. Uh, great stuff <laughs> from the people in the text message inbox. What are you seeing now? What's going on? Sad definitely knows his Morgan Wallen. <laughs> Wallen. Is Wallen? that a country star? Yeah. I mean, we had this discussion before. I think it was, uh, we did a show and I think Ben was producing it at the time. Yeah. We, we've been through this. We've been through this conversation. I don't remember. Do you, are you a country guy, Eddie? No, not at all. Not at all. I'm not okay. a country guy either. I no. just know that like everybody's obsessed with this dude and he's got two hits on the top billboard thing. I don't even know. Like currently? Yeah. I have no idea. I like, I, I'm, I, I can consider myself a like music connoisseur. I like all kinds of music. Listen, mostly Look. rap, but I like all kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Country's not my I name. just Googled Absolutely Morgan nothing. Wallen songs and came up wasted on you, whiskey glasses, thought you should know. It's like what I about had, pickup truck? I was like, haven't haven't these been done? Yeah. <laughs> so basic. My girlfriend wife left me. Sand <laughs> sand in my boots. All right. Rager says overrated. Sure. Well his ticket prices are you gotta spend four or five hundred dollars if you want to see this guy. Oh, there you go. Yeah, right. He's a star. There's a market. Yeah, he's he's a star, a real star. Uh speaking of stars. Uh, that's the voice of uh, Op Ben. Oh yeah, showing up. I mean, over I'm, the weekend. I'm surprised he showed up to work. Let yeah. me ask you this: So Ben Bastron, he's he's op in the show. Just getting over the party. Yeah, f- fast Eddie Gregory's producing the show, and Eddie, like, w- if you had won something big <laughs> and you were on the verge of stardom, would you show up to work the next day? Absolutely not. Right. So I don't know what that says about you, Ben, but congratulations. We have like an actual. Champion, tennis, well, a golf star yeah. in our midst. We actually Thank had to you. roll out the red carpet today before he walked in. <laughs> we had to beg him to come back to be with us peasants after you know his, three his days away. To... <laughs> I wore my best outfit, obviously too. <laughs> All right, uh, for people who don't know, uh, Ben Bastron, he's an amateur golfer, but a very talented a- amateur gol- golfer. And tell us what you were up to this weekend or a couple days ago. I played in the uh, Capilano Club Championship. Um, the semifinals was 18 holes on Saturday. Shot even in that, and then went 69-70 in a 36-hole final on Sunday and won on the 36th hole. Massive. Nails. And got the job done. What a gangster. Second year in a row, so it's pretty fired up. Um, but yeah, still come to work, still yeah. with the guys. This guy, you know, we always have that conversation. It's like, you win the lottery, you show up to work. We know the answer. For <laughs> we know the coming answer. into work. We know the answer. And, I mean... So you've been at this for a couple of years, working on your game, getting better and better. And like, mm-hmm. you have to make a decision perhaps in a year or so about how much farther you want to take this. Yeah. I mean, the, the decision kind of comes down to if you want to go pro or not, and then right. you can make the money. And <laughs> let me tell you, firing off those Phil Kessel takes sounds great Ooh. some days. <laughs> go to Q school. <laughs> I wonder if there's an Ironman streak on the PGA or something. Hey, you can start one. Yeah. 
when you shoot an eight on a hole, like Phil Castle takes are much better. Yeah, I know. Less stressful. <laughs> Give me back to the booth. I yeah. don't want to be out here. So okay, so the final day. Um, mm-hmm. So usually, you know, we, we're used to watching golf events, and it's a four-day event, and then the final day you shoot 18 holes, and you determine who the winner is, and perhaps it goes to a playoff, and you play a couple holes, and, and whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. But the way the finals are set up in the tourney you were in, you played far more than 18 holes. 36 holes. 36 holes in one day. Walking. In the smoke on Sunday. It Dude. Was... And, and here's the thing. Here's what, what impressed me. I, playing 36 holes in one day is tough enough in a tournament, but you shot what? 69 and then 70. That's insane. It was good. That's really good. But by the end of it, everyone's celebrating and happy, and I got the trophy, and there's the big party, and I was, yeah. I was like, I'm really, really tired right now. Like, <laughs> I, I hit the wall. People are like, let's go out tonight. You know, let's go downtown. I was like, I don't I don't, I don't want to go to bed. Like, I'm done. I'm that's, done. That's standards and structure and habits right there. And he's band. not even 30 years old. <laughs> I'm not, he's talking like I know. The 24-year-olds being like, let's go to bed. Oh, and it's funny because these we, kids coming up, man, they're just better than yeah, us. Yeah, built different, built different. But, you know, and, and it's funny because, like, you, the, the, one of the most challenging things in individual sports is, like, the mental side of the game. We talked about tennis yesterday mm-hmm. with Ben Lewis and especially talking about Carlos Alcaraz and, like, how for a guy who's 19, 20 is just, like, incredible mentality already. And it's like your level of talent, obviously, is super high as it is. But when it comes to that next step, it's like the mental side of things. So I asked Ben, I'm like, so like, how do you work on the mental side of things? And essentially, like, you wager with the guy you're playing golf with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to put yourself in situations where the shots you're taking mean something. Right. Or whatever you're doing, you're not just going through the motions out there. And whatever it is, whether it's golf or anything else, because, and I'm not saying you just start gambling on everything. I'm not giving that <laughs> advice. This right. isn't a BCLC yeah. sponsored segment. I'm know just, your limit, hit within it. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, well, hit within it. That's I'm good. Just, That's good. Uh, I think that if you get comfortable putting yourself in situations where things matter all the time and everything you do, then when it actually really, really matters, you're like, okay, I, I felt this before. Mm-hmm. You don't get all tense and nervous and yeah. bad things happen then. Well, when you watch or like follow any of, you know, you're, you see what the professional guys do when they get out and play together. They're all, like, every hole, it's, there's wagering money on money. them. They're wagering money on them. For I mean, sure. Like, even if you watch... We saw that story of Phil yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, Billy. We, we even talk about it just in terms of, like, in team sports, mm-hmm. when you're when a team's got a lot of one-goal wins or yeah. under five points in basketball or it comes down to a kick in football, you're yep. like, hey, this team knows what it's like to win at the end of a game, right. how to get it done. So when they're in the playoffs and things get tighter... When it's its thickest. They know yeah. that feeling. And so I think it completely applies to everything from amateur sports all the way to the professional ranks. If you can put yourself in those situations, <laughs> things get better. Rager, 650, 650. <laughs> I think Pete Rose agrees with Ben's advice. <laughs> Always compete. Always, Always compete. compete. Uh, the real question, though, are we invited to the Champions Dinner? Like, what's going on? Or- you got to be a champion yeah. at that dinner. Man, we true. don't even get an invite. I got to no, decide what to eat. Yeah. What's on the menu? Crafting the menu? All right. Don't be a stranger when you uh, when you hit it big, okay, Ben? I won't. Like You can be like, I, I know these guys. Yeah, you don't have to talk to us, but just, yeah. you can be like, I, I know who they are at the very least. Like, I'll I say talk hi to you on the street. Like, I turned to like... Chef on hole 13 in the last round, and I, he was like, you got to make a comeback here, kid. And I was like, I'm trying. Like, I'm trying. <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah, Ben Bastron. Uh, Good on you, man, and uh, all the best moving forward Congrats. with your golf career. Respects. Thank you. You got it, man. You got it. Um, definitely not overrated, the golf game. No. The golf game. Um, no. Now, we are going to get to overrated, underrated NFL version. That's coming up at 3.30, so we'll have IMAC on next segment. Then we'll get into the overrated, underrated NFL stuff. So you have any overrated football stuff, let us know underrated. We'll, we'll have some fun with that in a bit. Uh, <laughs> 
Krez. Ivan Tony took his advice. He may be suspended, but he's richer. Eight months, ain't nothing, man. Be back scoring goals for Brentford. Quick sidebar. Do you hear about Lucas Paqueta and his? He's being no. investigated for gambling. Ooh, he was like hot in the transfer market. Well, that's why City didn't buy him. Manchester yeah. City was on the verge of going after and getting him. I mean, they have a good legal team. Well, yeah. <laughs> they do. They absolutely Best legal do. team money can buy. <laughs> no kidding. 119 charges don't matter. We get out of it. Those are the lawyers you need to you need to hire. Yeah. Um, so Lucas Paquette, a player for West Ham, and so he's under investigation by the FA because there was a match last season where it was on yellow cards. Like it was on him getting a yellow card. And I saw some of the stuff about it. And basically, like, there was so much money coming in on him picking up a yellow card in that game that the odds were like 1.5 or something. Like, Amazing. so, so it, it creates, you know, alarm bells. It's like, wait, wait, yellow cards never get that low of odds mm-hmm. unless a lot of money comes in. So they started investigating to be like, what's going on here or whatever it is. And they found a few instances where a lot of money came in beforehand. <laughs> on Lucas Paqueta yellow cards, and then he get a yellow card. And the one he got in that game in question was like, it was like, oh, this is pretty aggressive. And he says he's not at fault or whatever it is. He's not involved or anything, but he's being investigated for mm. potentially wagering on himself getting yellow cards or whatever it is, right? So that's kind of what's going on with Lucas Paqueta. And just, Ivan Tony is another the, player. The play. Yeah, that's, you see uh, that play? It looks pretty bad. Like if, if, you're, if you're wondering, <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. There's no reason to slide tackle there outside of just financial gain. That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So uh, this is a thing in sports. It's happening in in uh, in soccer as well. So Ivan Tony from uh, Chris. He's not alone. He's he's not alone. He's not alone. Odd, odd. Yeah. Just be careful. Don't wager on yourself. All right. <laughs> a bra from Richmond. Both you boys better be careful when Ben makes it big and you try to rush the 18th green. Don't get speared, <laughs> a la Adam Hadwin. That yes. was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, we gotta be golfers to get on that. Now they know who you guys are. No one's getting. <laughs> they know who you guys are. Yeah, we'll be. With, we're more likely to be the one spraying the champagne on the side. Yeah. <laughs> who gets tackled by security? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely pick. Bick gets carried away. I, I I would, yeah. Yeah, he definitely would. He gets so excited. Although, my... you have no knees. You can't juke anyone. <laughs> That's why I wouldn't do anything. I, I, I know my limits, and I play within it. I'm agile, man. <laughs> I'm like Deuce Vaughn. So, I mean, yesterday, I was walking fast past his chair and twisted my knee. That's how bad my <laughs> knee is. Anyways, uh, nonetheless, we'll, we'll get to some of that stuff a bit later on. We have some takes on soccer, too. Like we said, J.J. Yeah. Adams is going to join us, and uh, there's some stuff going on in, in world soccer that we'll hit coming up in a bit. But we have some NFL news that has come across the wire today. So for the longest time, Bick, and, and I remember this was a huge topic of conversation around a former Seattle Seahawk who's trying to make an, a comeback in the NFL, Jimmy Graham. Mm-hmm. When he played for the New Orleans Saints, the big issue was Titans don't get paid enough. He mm-hmm. wanted to get paid as a receiver because of how good he was, and he just wasn't going to get that type of money. And he was always you know, pushing as the best tight end in the game, or it, at least the best offensive tight end, to get more money. Yeah, whenever he got franchise tagged, it was at the tight end price. Right. And he's like, I, I barely block. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm a receiver, if anything. Yeah. And it seems like, and it's not that he was a trendsetter, but we're getting to a point now where tight ends are getting paid. And now the next biggest contract has been given to TJ Hawkinson, the Minnesota Vikings tight end pick. Yeah, signed a uh, four-year deal. Uh, that takes him up to $68 million, 42.5 of that is guaranteed. Uh, huge marks for tight end, $17 million a year. So both of those are uh, tops uh, in NFL history. 
I was a little surprised because we spent all this time talking this summer of like, mm-hmm. hey, what's running back value and these guys that are like marquee players, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Josh da- Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, all guys who are putting up huge numbers, touchdowns, yardage, usage, whatever it is, aren't getting their money. And then here's another non-premium position today, tight end. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's it's an important position, but you know it, it's not It's not a premium position. It's not a left tackle. It's not a corner. It's not a, a, a defensive end. Here is someone breaking the bank uh, that uh, puts above what Darren Waller uh, signed in uh, New York Giants and continues to lift the ceiling for tight ends. Yeah, it really does. Now, part of me had the same reaction. I always have the big – it's because we've been conditioned to tight ends not getting this big money. Mm-hmm. Now they are getting paid. Even David Njoku last year got a pretty big contract mm-hmm. despite not having the best track record, although he's showing a bit more obviously now and he's maybe capable of, of earning that money truly. But they're just – it's such a scarcity when it comes to tight ends right now in the NFL. But here's the thing: like we just saw nine tight ends get drafted in the first three rounds because there's last a scarcity. Year. But also, I would I would debate that there's a new class of tight ends that are finally coming in. Yeah. Because a the the basketball rejection that makes yeah. the the crossover flips and more people like it's a more of a passing game. So the opportunity for the two sport converts is now there to play in the NFL and play college football. And as that happens the prototype starts to develop a lot faster. And we've seen more athletic tight ends flush into the league here recently. Kyle Pitts. Like, Kyle Pitts is the start of a trend uh, that I think we're going to see moving forward here. And if more of these tight ends are available, are you kind of jumping the shark overspending uh, for tight ends? Again, what, what's ridiculous to me is someone like Cole Komet. He's not special, Okay. He's making more than some of these running backs are. I understand. Like, but that's the stuff. Like, Dawson Knox hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. The guy was making $13 million a yeah, year. Yeah, I get it. That's the part where I think it's, it's, it's great. As I said yesterday, special players deserve special contracts. TJ Hawkinson liked him coming out of Iowa. Hasn't really lived up to expectation, but he got to Minnesota, and you start to see the role start to develop for him. Here he is another uh, offseason, gets to work with Minnesota. It could be a good deal. But the tight end money is large right now. It is. But at the same time, like, there were nine tight ends last season, nine in the entire NFL, who had over 600 yards receiving. There were three tight ends that had over 800 yards receiving, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, and Travis Kelsey. Like, it's it's a scarcity. And the other thing, too, is how often do you see rookie tight ends have success? It takes, like, two or three years for these guys to figure it out. So what is Minnesota's uh, window, for instance? Can they wait three years to try to get a tight end in or whatever it is? You're kind of stuck, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I don't have an issue with the tight ends getting paid because there are so few of them. And, and, I, and I agree with what you're saying, but tight ends also such a physical position. And once you get to the NFL, like if you're not tough, if you're not blocking, you're just not going to be able to get that chance anymore. Like the guys like Jimmy Graham just don't get used that way anymore. Like blocking has to be such a big part of it, especially with the type of personnel units Teams are trying to run out offensively and how they want to incorporate sometimes double tight end sets mm-hmm. and everything that you have to do. So I, I get it, but at the same time, I don't know what the option is. Like, do you just going to be like, let's get an average tight end? Because like, there's a pretty big gap between TJ Hawkinson and, say, the 13th best receiving tight end who had 552 yards. Like, mm-hmm. would you rather have Tyler Conklin at, say, $6 million or TJ Hawkinson at his money? <sighs> 
yeah, okay, you want to put it that way, but like, but I, th- I think those are your options, right? Or you go rookies and rookies. Mm-hmm. Even Kyle Pitts last year, super talent, he struggled because t- rookie tight ends always have a hell of a time. Hey man, he had a fantastic rookie year. He did for, for rookie, he did, but it was he didn't have like huge numbers. Like mm-hmm. rookies don't rookie tight ends don't hit the ground running usually, right? Like Zach Ertz is making ten million dollars. Well, I mean, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing right now. He got that contract. Tyler a bit earlier. Conklin's making six and change. Uh, we're back to comparing it to contracts all all over. But again, I, I just I look at the next class that's coming too. Brock Bowers uh, from Georgia is supposed to be an elite tight end. He'll go high in the draft. There's a couple more. I just think this is going to be the trend. And finally, like that Gronkowski inspiration is starting to pay off, and all these guys are going to start translating. Uh, I, I was just surprised to see uh, 17 and a change for TJ Hawkinson today while we're talking about, hey, like these running backs are touching the ball 300 times. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson uh, last year caught 60 passes for Minnesota. Absolutely, right? But, I mean, if you want to compare rushes to rece- receptions, I mean, same thing goes for, with a receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Like a good running back is going to have three times as many but he's carries. not even the number one. Like he's not even Travis Kelsey. He's not the main feature in his offense. No, he's not. He's going to produce because Justin Jefferson is there. Well, that's but the he's thing. not the main feature in an no. offense, and he's breaking the tight end barrier. But it's the same thing as like quarterback contracts, right? Now, you may not be the best one, but the next guy gets more money. That's kind of how it goes. It floats everything up, right? But doing this exercise and looking through things, you know what I was really intrigued by? Your notion of Pat Fryermuth mm-hmm. being uh, a big part of the – Steelers offense next season because like the way he's progressed like you. he can easily be the top three or four Steel tight end Steel Town yeah he could easily Steel be a top three town. or four tight end. like really the only thing that happened for Pat Fryermuth last year is he just didn't score touchdowns yeah that was really about it uh, I think he dipped down to two yeah he had seven year one two last year but don't tell me the yards weren't there 732 don't tell me he wasn't part of the offense just shy of 100 targets it's really just touchdowns for Pat Fryermuth that, yeah. that fell short so if you're looking for a fantasy guy if you miss out on uh Kelsey Andrews, Kittle. You're looking for or Hawkinson. Like Waller or Hawkinson. Look, we just listed five guys. Don't tell me about scarcity. There's guys there. There is, but yeah, but there, it, again, <laughs> that list dies. You can't get to like you can't get past ten. Like you really can't. You can talk yourself into like ten pretty good tight ends. Outside of that, it's like it just falls off a cliff. Uh so what did you say? Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, Waller, Kittle, Pitts. Uh, Fryermuth, Dallas Goddard still exists. You love David Njoku. Uh, I, I, I like him. I don't love him. You just him. saw I got five guys just get drafted. Evan Sam Ingram. Laporta, Jim, uh, Jake Ferguson. But they're rookies. Show, okay, rookie well, tight ends. Yeah, yeah. Again, show okay. show me in a year. Talk to me in a year with but these But Evan rookies. Ingram? Remember O.J. Howard? Can't yeah. miss. The best tight end yeah. prospect. Like, he was Kyle Pitts before Kyle Pitts was Kyle Pitts. And that guy hasn't done anything in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Dalton Schultz, that's a real tight end. He Tyler is. Higby. Again, the only guy, the only two guys I look at this are that can be features of their offense: Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. That's it. Kittle can do a little bit. Has he lost a little bit? You think, or is he still the same guy? He's been but injured a lot. He's not really though. It's, yeah. it's Kyle Shanahan's the feature of that <laughs> offense, and 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 George Kittle scores touchdowns, and he's he does. he's a beast. Yeah. Mike G says is why Miami let Gasicki leave because he couldn't block. Hawkinson is a unicorn tight end can catch and block. Detroit Brian Cleveland Titans never block. Well, that has been a thing. Although Njoku last year took a step and has been better at getting blocking, and that's why he got the contract. But yes, it's hard to find tight ends that can block and can also receive. And Hawkinson can do that. Evan Ingram can't. He, if you want to look at any a contract for a tight end and be like, eh, is the Evan Ingram one? He performed last year. He, he can score again. Yeah. Great receiver, but he's not a. He's more. He's more the Jimmy Graham of this generation, mm-hmm. right? Hey, before we go, uh, did you see this thing um, in Milwaukee that they're doing? Uh, a bar in Milwaukee. So if, if you're planning any trips to Green Bay or Milwaukee, 
uh, there's a pub there that says uh, running a promotion. When the New York Jets lose, patrons, customers are the big winners. Uh, they will pay your drink tab if you're at the bar when the New York Jets lose. Now, there's a lot of stipulations, but it's very doable. So that, wait, wait. Uh, so Green, the the whole city of Green Bay is actively rooting against the Jets. So so Milwaukee then. So every Jets loss. It's while uh, while you're you have to be at the bar watching the whole game or something. Like, what are the rules? Do you want me to read all the fine? Yeah, please, because like, because like, if I'm betting on the Jets losing, like, you're gonna go out of business. You're gonna lose like ten games. Uh, so you must start a new tab 15 minutes before the game starts. Deal is not valid. 15 minutes before. Deal. What if you do it like five minutes before the game? No good. No good. Hey, showing up on time is being early. (laughs) Deal is not valid during Packers games, so can't be conflict because Milwaukee (laughs) bars not put on a Jets. Well, there's gonna be plenty of times they play at the same time. So that takes away a bunch of games. I I haven't done the the actual look. Uh, You must be present for the entire game, obviously. Oh, for the entire game, so you can't leave. Can't be like, oh, it's a blowout game. Jets are are winning or losing. I'm just gonna leave at the second quarter. Get you got to stay there for all six uh, sixty minutes. Uh, only the drink tab gets paid. Oh, okay. No food. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers must be starting. Must be starting. Yeah. So if Zach Wilson is, everyone's getting lit up. <laughs> They're like, we we can't we can't have Zach Wilson playing any of these games. <laughs> that is too funny. All right. I mean, unless like it's I get it, but like there's I don't think it's as because like if you're if you're just betting on the Jets losing, that's that's bad business. Got to be careful. Yeah, but. Same time, I, I'm thinking like other cities should adopt this. Like, what's the Vancouver version of this? Vancouver just doesn't have anybody who's reliable enough yet. You know what Vancouver needs to be punched in the mouth in the playoffs by somebody, and then it's like now we hate that team. Like, who do you hate right now? Right? Like everyone says the Leafs, sure. No, Blackhawks, whatever. Um, Oilers and Flames, like come on. Seattle, too early. Mm-hmm. Got to face like Seattle in the playoffs and get punched in the mouth by them, and then there'll be hatred. Vancouver fans hate. The Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> We're not being good. Like that's the team they actually hate the most. Yeah, it's like you get free drinks if you win hockey games. <laughs> like that's that is the answer. Like hey, like Eddie, remember the Minnesota Wild? Oh yeah, they hated the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, but like even the Minnesota Wild, it was kind of like it was yeah, a one-sided it thing. Was though. Very one-sided, right? Minnesota was like, why does Vancouver hate us so much? Or and it was more of Vancouver's like, why does Minnesota hate us so much? It was the same thing. Either yeah, but. We hate each other, is what Rager says on a text inbox. Very much so. All right. Uh, great stuff. Great, great great reaction on a text inbox. We'll get this more of your text messages. More NFL talk coming up a bit later on. But we're going to switch our sights back to the National Hockey League and your Vancouver Canucks. IMAC joins us next right here on Sportsnet 650.